Welcome to another edition of On the Inside Track. Have you ever wondered how a person became who they are today? How did they come to certain beliefs? How did they choose a particular path? Who or what influenced the person they are now? Join me, Debbie Hazelton, on the inside track as one-on-one my guests and I explore defining moments from there to here on the inside track. Hello there, it's Debbie Hazelton, and welcome to a packed show. And this month, for the month of October, it's a twofer. We're going to celebrate the works and the lives of two people. Brian McCallan, who has been bringing us Speaking Out for the Blind every week, for the last several years, and I got together. Actually, we recorded it on the day his 200th show was airing. And Brian and I have talked about him being on my show for the last several years. I've been on his show a couple of times. We've um, talked and compared notes and laughed about the two very different ways that we have of doing our shows. And it's kind of fascinating because he does a show every single week and he squeezes so much information about people into one half hour that I've always been just uh, quite impressed by that. And so we're going to hear from Brian and then we're also going to hear from Kimberly Morrow, Dr. Kimberly Morrow, who... Actually, I found Kim when she was working with Unity Village, uh, actually Message of Hope, and she was helping to make sure that we got lots of great materials of Unity School of Christianity materials uh, in Braille and in recorded format and uh, just really helping to bring that project along for many years at Unity Village. And um, wow, you know, I, I don't know. I know I got Unity materials way back, I think before Kim was there, but they weren't, they weren't sending them, they were sending them out in thermoform and oh gosh, uh, some of them were pretty hard to read and they weren't available for download. They didn't have that kind of concept. And so I think they were only available in the U.S. I think once they went to downloadable files, there were people that could get them in other countries. And Kim worked hard with a number of people to see that books were were scanned and to uh, just get a lot of people on the bandwagon. And, you know, as agencies and and institutions would have it sometimes everyone isn't always up to speed i remember doing it with mass transit and they would look at the numbers and think well we don't always need to keep this up and 
and dealing with challenges of their own. And so uh, Kim has moved on into her own business now, and she will share more about that and many of her accomplishments. And so we're going to start here first with Brian McCallan and his show and his life. But first, we're going to hear a little bit about speaking out for the blind. Tired of the same old survival reality shows that aren't too real? Then join me, Brian McCallan, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview real famous and inspirational blind individuals and other specialists about a real wide variety of topics providing you with real steps to achieve your dreams. Speaking Out for the Blind airs Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern and repeats throughout the next seven days on ACB Radio Mainstream. Go to acbradio.org slash mainstream for days and times. You can access the show archive at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash dash blind. And if you have any feedback about the show, you may contact me at speakout at acbradio.org. Happy listening. Were you always interested in radio? Well, I was actually interested in TV. I'm Brian McKellen. As some of you may know, I am the host of the Speaking Out for the Blind show um, since 2012. Is so that when you started? That, that 2012? Started here on ACB Radio Mainstream, yes. Okay. And uh, how did you come to us? What was going on? I was looking on the internet, um, I was job searching at the time, and then I looked around and found ACB Radio, um, and when I found ACB Radio, I thought this was a good opportunity to bring on a radio show that I had started at the Lighthouse for the Blind in San Francisco to a whole national audience. Now, this show I actually started really more in 2008 during a summer internship at the Lighthouse in San Francisco. I remember that. Where, remember. Um, um, access to information services radio that they had at the time. My so boss, you used that technology on the campus? I used their technology at the agency, yes. I used Adobe Audition, it was called uh, back then. And um, they had plenty of mics, um, some sound boards, and I either invited some guests on over the phone or some that they plugged into the computer, or um, I also invited some local guests as well from the San Francisco area. And you were able to access all that software at the time? I was able to access all that software at the time, They had it already installed on the computers, and I I was able to use it, yes. That is really cool, and you must have been ecstatic. I I, I was ecstatic, yes, especially to have an opportunity like that, because it was my first time before I graduated from college where I really got my feet wet into doing this program and doing it to give back, and basically really start 
on my broadcasting career. Um, yeah. So you knew you wanted to do broadcasting, and you wanted to do TV, you said. Originally, yes. I grew up watching lots of television. Because the doctors were worried that my retinas were going to detach, they didn't want me playing a huge amount of sports. Mm-hmm. Like, but with flying, <laughs> flying balls that could hit you in the face. Or, <laughs> okay, or they the did head. not want you getting hit near the eyes and in exactly. the head. Exactly. Okay. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. So you, though, had an interest, it sounds like, had an interest. So you watched a lot of TV because you couldn't play sports. Because I, I couldn't play sports. They weren't, um, didn't want you to. They, they, didn't, they didn't want me to, exactly. They were worried my retinas were going to detach. How did you become blind? Well, retinopathy at premature. Oh, retinopathy. Born, okay. Three months premature. So your retinas were not detached, though. So you had some vision, and do you still? Um, well, I, I had some vision. At, when I was three months old, they did cryogenic surgery in both of my eyes at Stanford to cool, to freeze the retinas. And because of that, growing up, I was able to have the core vision in my right eye and distorted vision in my left eye. And I also have, I also have cross-sided eyes, which means one turns off mm. and the other turns on. Wow. And do they vary? Do they switch off? Yes. Yes, they do. Oh, that's wild. It is wild. That's really wild. And they're never on together at the same time? Well, uh, currently I can see when if I'm looking at my right eye, which is my good eye, and then there's a and I can I can see a little bits out of the left, even a little tiny uh bit of bit of double, but um um they had they had talked about in the past doing strabismus surgery on my left eye because they were concerned my left eye was turning more in towards my nose. It's always looked at my nose. And so um, I, I, I've said no to that because it's more of a cosmetic procedure, okay, than really something that's going to affect my vision. Now, if I were to look out on my left eye, I can see distorted words and fading colors. Hmm. But it sounds like it's something that's changed a lot from time to time, and you just kind of have to be ready for anything yes i've had Mm -hmm. to watch of course for changes in my eyes um in 2001 my retina detached in my right eye the doctors were always concerned about my very fragile retinas Mm -hmm. after that experimental surgery so Mm -hmm. my retina and my right eye detached this was my freshman year of high school and the retinas in the left eye were starting to come undone as well so the retinist, this is a Kaiser Permanente retinist by the name of Dr. Johnson. He was a miracle worker. He was able to get me into surgery and reattach the retina in my right eye. 
and a little and also do laser tacking on the left eye. Now also mm -hmm. on the right eye, he used a scleral buckle to reattach wow. the retina back on. It's like a cast. Mm -hmm. And and um he did that. And so what I see today is about the same vision. I will also see occasional flashes and floaters. And I'm also very nearsighted. So when it comes to some small print with my glasses on, like when I'm reading books, mm -hmm. I will look over the rims of my glasses up close at the book to see the words. So really, you've had to adapt, be ready for anything. You've had to adapt. You've had days where you could see better than others and they did get the retina attached in your right eye yes they did that's pretty amazing in spite of things you've really landed on your feet continuously a absolutely i i have landed on my feet and i'm i'm mm -hmm. very grateful to the my retina specialist my glaucoma specialist that I see both each once a year, sometimes mm -hmm. every six months, depending mm -hmm. on if my eye pressure goes up or not. Mm -hmm. um, I take eye drops for that every night too. Mm -hmm. And um, I also see an optometrist um, on occasion as well for glasses changes about every one to two years. I'm very grateful for all the Kaiser, all that Kaiser has um, their, uh, their eye that their eye departments, you know, I'm grateful for their help that they've given to me all these years. I know you said you live with your family, and I bet they're pretty happy that yes. you continue to land on your feet. Yes, um, I, I, um, I, for, as some of uh, your listeners and my listeners may know, my fellow ACB members know, that I currently live with my parents. Um, mm -hmm. And I know some of them may be thinking, why for a guy like yourself who's graduated college and accomplished all this, why would you be living with your parents? Well, I live with my parents so I can get the help and support I need to live a happy life. As, mm -hmm. of course, as for us all visually impaired people out there, you know, we all we all need significant others, I think, to help us in our lives. I don't care if it's your girlfriend, your own mother, or mm -hmm. or, or if it's a very close friend, you, you just you just need some support to keep going. Sure. So have you ever looked into Ira? Ira? Oh, wait, Ira, isn't it that map thing? With the glasses and yeah, the agents? I actually interviewed, that was one, one of my mm -hmm. guests uh, was who I've had on my show was from Ira. Mm -hmm. and I've heard they're really cool. They are. I just didn't know if you'd ever looked into it because that's one way of getting help. As a matter of fact, part of what kept me waiting was I, I did call and I had them looking at my screen and they could see it, but we couldn't figure out what was going on. And so even though I did call them, um, but that took, that took some minutes because, you know, many times that's, that is who I call. Yeah. So, you know, but there are many ways to do lots of things. So anyway, so I bet they're really proud of you though. And, and, um, I know that they know that you 
are airing your 200th show, correct? Oh, yeah. That yes. is fair. Yeah, my, my so parents cool. are proud. I My whole family, my aunts, uncles, and I've got... Um, I've got also some very close friends of mine who've supported me through all this, who are ACB and also non-ACB members as well. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends, um, we talk twice twice a week on the phone about anything, probably geeky and nerdy, but um, him and I have been close friends for a long time and he continuously asks me, hey, how's the radio show going? That's great. And, and he's he supported me through all this. He's even given me some topic ideas. I remember he gave me the idea to do this one author. The, the name's just not clicking to me right now. But it's okay. He met her speaking at his local church. And mm-hmm. um, I found out her name. And, um, and then I interviewed her for the show. Um, mm-hmm. And I told her so-and-so, my friend, gave me this idea to interview you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I thanked him on air for that, too. And um, so what really got me into broadcasting in the first place um, if um, mm-hmm. was, uh, <laughs> as I said, I, I was little and I watched a lot of television. Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of those old 80s game shows growing up that were yeah. on during the day. I um I watched a lot of news with my folks because they watched a lot of news and watched how the hosts hosted. And I I loved how they spoke. I loved how they talked to the uh, their audiences. So I had that little Fisher Price tape recorder, <laughs> one of those old ones. Yeah, the 80s that was for kids and you could play around with it. Not only (laughs) did I play my books and tapes on that machine, but I also recorded myself imitating these hosts and these news anchors. That's great. And and I I did that and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And then um, as I got older, I toured a couple of studios in my oh, area. what fun. One mm-hmm. is at the uh, Lawrence Livermore Lab, their old TV station. Um, and I met one guy there when I was a kid. His name was Ken. And he showed me around the whole studio, their control room, and the studio. It was like the Starship Enterprise. And I thought that was so cool. And mm-hmm. then... I went to our local community access station for a little tour once, and I got to see all of the screens and all of the cameras and even see one of the hosts present. And I thought, I thought what they did was really cool. And then I went into an ROP class, Regional Occupational Program, mm-hmm. in uh, my senior year in high school. And I did, I took this class, okay? It was a TV production class where we did these shows once a month. And I was the host on a couple of the shows. One of them I remember now was called The Brian Show, where I drank this um, Campbell's soup at and without any soup in it. 
And then you have this green screen with an audience with the Brian show, you know, with like a, over, over bricks. It was like the show's logo. Hmm. And I, I put together, um, I, I did a lot of the editing for that and the hosting and introduced each of the segments. Cool. We, we also did a music video too. Um, I, uh, I, um, the song I used was the ending song from uh, this one Japanese animated series called Roroni Kenshin, which was on Cartoon Network several years ago. And um, I was cosplayed as one of the, uh, um, the characters, Sonosuke Cigar, defeating all the evil ninja. <coughs> and that was the music video right there. And then, um, and then later on, I got accepted to San Francisco State University for college. And they had a major broadcasting program. A couple of people told me about it. And um, so I went to San Francisco State five years, completed general education, and did all of my broadcasting classes with some of the top professors um, in, in their fields, mm -hmm. some of which came from the BBC, some of them came from the local Bay Area stations, some of them as far north as probably Sacramento, and some even used to work on the East Coast. And I was, um, it, it was, it was exciting to work under them. And they gave me some of the skills to be able to do this show today. Oh, that's great. Well, that's really uh, a lot of cool things. And you've worked hard. You've studied a lot to get there. Yes, it did. It took a lot of studying. It took a lot of studying day in and day out. You've had a lot of really wonderful opportunities. And I could imagine that you could do some teaching yourself with all this. Yeah, 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 maybe. You started out learning from other broadcasters, but I imagine you've continued to learn over the years. I've I've continued to learn a lot. Um, one of the uh, couple of the people from ACB gave me the idea about using the program Zoom. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I which, was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you were one of them. I was one of them. Yep. And and uh, I I didn't know what the heck Zoom was about. And then I looked it up, and I saw, well, this is a really neat program. You can actually call in from the mm -hmm. phone to do this. And I, I know a lot of ACB members really use that touch tone phone mm -hmm. for any communication. And sure. I thought this was really good because um, I had a tough time with my first shows being able to record good sound from the phone. That mm -hmm. was always a challenge. And then I, and I've learned about this program. I thought, wow, all my troubles are over. And so I downloaded the program, got a little, a little free account with it. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, and I, so I got this little free account with Zoom. And then I touch, and then I um, basically started doing my interviews from that, whether somebody was on the computer or, as you said, on the phone. Mm -hmm. And the sound has come in so clearly. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, I really like it. 
uh, it's been crazy today, but uh, yeah, I like Zoom. Um, and yeah, I'm, but when it works, it works great. <laughs> so anyway, how did you decide then to do the name Speaking Out for the Blind and that it would be a half hour show? Speaking Out for the Blind, I decided on that name because I want to show the listeners that we're talking with them. I'm talking with them. The guest is talking with them and showing the audience, the blind and visually impaired listeners out there <coughs> and whoever supports them that they can go for their dreams. They can do what they want in their lives mm -hmm. and learn from my shows the ways for doing that. For instance, mm -hmm. I had MasterChef contestant Christine Hahn once, and, sh and she gave some advice for how to become a chef. Oh, and that's interesting. Same mm -hmm. with Scott McIntyre, the American Idol finalist from when the show was back on Fox. Mm. He said one of the biggest things he said to me and to the audience, follow your heart. Mm -hmm. Follow mm -hmm. your heart. That's right. And, that's, and right. That's, that's, that's just one thing. I, I agree with him to this day. Me too. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. Well, I think it's great because in doing what you do, you've gotten a wide variety, a wide caliber of people. And how did you decide on a 30-minute as opposed to an hour? 30 minutes? Um was, uh, I think, fairly enough for an interview. Um, th 30 minutes at least kept things more concise, and um, it didn't go on and on and on into a long thing. Like we are. It could, it could, yeah, exactly. It, it, could, it, could get, it could get more straight to the point. Right, right. And I think there's, I mean, we've talked about this, you and I, <clears throat> before, that there is a case or a time and a place for both. Some people like the laid back way, and I think there are going to be people that are going to go, wow, I didn't know this about Brian. Wow, this is really a neat thing, you know, to hear Brian sitting back and talking. And yet, I have also been very impressed with the caliber of tight questions that you write and you give people a chance to prepare their answers. I'm trying to remember how much I prepared when you had me on, or did I just wing it? I probably still was winging it, but I did know what I was working with. And, you know, some people, I, I don't know, I just think both are what things that work. You know, both are formats that work. I like to send my questions, full questions mm -hmm. ahead of time so that the listeners can look at them, see if they're satisfied. The and listeners or and the, uh, and the person that's and, being and interviewed? The, the, specifically the person that's yeah. being, that, that I'm going to interview. Mm -hmm. And that person, um, yeah, look, I, I send the questions to them. They look, he or she looks at the questions, or they, depending on if there are two, three, four guests. 
and um, uh, with with the, those, so that so that one, you know, they can see if they like them, and two, see if of course there needs to be any changes, and three, um, you know, if they can, if they're comfortable answering the questions. Mm -hmm. I don't like just to present them all of a sudden with, you know, a bunch of unknown questions, and they're like. I don't want to talk about this. I'm out of here. Sure. Now, I've had some people who have said, let's talk about doing a show, and they start talking about what they want to talk about, and by the time we do it, it's not the same. So I tell people, no, we're not going to talk beforehand about what we're going to talk about because I want it to be fresh in the moment. So it's it's interesting, but they both work. Yep. I mean, I have heard people answer your questions and every word is part of a very powerful delivery. That I, woman that I did think. that TED talk that had been in a horrible accident, um, I forgot her name now, but she was another one I had given you her name and... I was so blown away with the way that she answered your questions. I mean, she just flew because she's doing a lot of very dynamic things since then, since she had lost her sight and then got it back. You remember that lady? Yes, I do. But the name just doesn't yeah, come. Yeah, me too. I know. I'm not. I, episodes. Yeah. She had been in a terrible accident. She had to learn to speak again. She had to learn. I mean, she was at the bottom of, she had, well, I think she had been run over by a drunk driver. And then she had all these different people helping her. And she went and she learned mobility and, and they, and all these different people gave her things. And she, then she had some surgeries. She got her sight back. And, um, but the way she answered the questions when you had her on was just incredible. So anyway, that was a good way. I, I enjoyed seeing your method at work, your style at work. So what's next for you? 200 shows. What's next? What's on the horizon? Anything different? Keep, keep this, just keep this going for as long as I can. Okay. That's, that, that's what I'm going to keep it to. Okay. Uh, I, I haven't fully decided, of course, on, you know, 10, 15 years from now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I, I would like to, of course, you know, think more about that. And just plan out what's going to happen next. And I take it you're in good health yourself. I am in all right health. Um, good. I have been trying to eat healthier and exercise more. Good. And I can because my um, my lab test results have been coming back in recent months, and they've been a little high. Mm -hmm. So I have been working on you know just just pump just uh, work working on the elliptical a lot lifting some weights and um, doing the pool and also, uh, you know, just, just eating a more well-balanced diet. Well, that's great. That's really good. And, but I also get the feeling from the, you know, the, you talk about friends and family. I get the sense 
that even though you're doing shows every week, and that's in, I think, a half an hour, I think a half an hour in a way is harder to do in every week, but you are on it, and you're way ahead of schedule, but I get the sense that even with all of that, your life is full. Uh, yes, um, I, I do have, I do spend a lot of time with, um, like I said, my my family and friends, and mm-hmm. um not only talking with them on the phone, but also we, we go do some things together as well. And, um, and then I, I, like I said, I also exercise and I also, I live with my parents. So I help them around the house a little bit. I uh, help unload the dishwasher, get the newspaper and uh, do my own laundry. Yes. As any Mm -hmm. good son would do. (laughs) Well, sure. Yeah. Have you? Do you cook? I I um I'll heat up stuff in the microwave and help them with cooking a little okay. bit. Yes. Okay. Like getting out the ingredients and mm-hmm. using the pot. One of the things I do like to make. I'm half Italian, so I love spaghetti. Oh, good. I love buying the Barilla pasta mm-hmm. and putting it in a big pot and waiting till it boils and then. Making all the sauce. I have a mm. classico sauce that's delicious. Mm-hmm. Very filling, but yeah. delicious. Well, good for you. So how far ahead are you in shows? How far are, are you planning ahead? Um, right now, it's been kind of by week. It depends. Depends mm-hmm. on when I get a new script written. Um, it depends on when I uh, get... Um, uh, See, the reason some of the listeners are probably wondering why I switched back and forth all these years between new ones and reruns. And that's because I want to bring in different sets of listeners to um, Mm -hmm. listen to the shows that that have already played and may want to hear them again or Mm -hmm. for the first time. Or um, And, and of course, new ones because um, then I'll put on new ones because... When you write those scripts and try to get in touch with these guests, it takes some time to mm-hmm. jot those questions down, to craft it, to craft them well. And well, I know. Also, getting in touch with these guests, you got to mm-hmm. be persistent by calling them, by emailing them, and following up, and then trying to get some dates down. And you and do your random. homework. You do your homework, I know. I do. I research you, them. You research about people. It's fascinating to see what you come up with. I know because I've been on your show a couple of times, and um, I, I'm always amazed at what you put together. Um, so, I mean, that's a lot of work. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. And I remember when you were learning about Skype and testing that out and you know, and just moving along with different technologies, um, you know, and and uh, getting to know more about ACB radio and all that kind of thing. So um, it's uh, it's all to your credit. So d- do you ever get down? I mean, do you feel good all the time? Um. Well, I I I, I do feel both. Um, up, I do have up and ups and downs because, um, of course, uh, it, it comes with, of course, life. And mm-hmm. um, but uh, 
you do just try to make the best of it. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like playing Spider Man or the Hulk, and you got to constantly just fight your way through the bad things mm-hmm. and get out of it to the good. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you have a solid foundation, though, of what you've been able to accomplish and your passion. Yep. Your passion. You brought it to life, this mm-hmm. whole idea of broadcasting. And there are a lot of wannabe broadcasters out there, but they haven't made it happen like you have. And, and, and a lot of them in the industry don't even make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. For one reason or another, um, and you have made it happen. Do you have a, a pretty good setup there if your equipment? Yes, I use right now. Um, I'm using a pop filter and also a uh, Audio Technica mic with a little pop filter on that. Mm-hmm. And I use a Shure S H U R E. And they're very popular for the mm-hmm. unidirectional mics. I use a preamp um, to act, that actually plugs in through a USB cable into the computer. Mm-hmm. And then I have an XLR c- cable that hooks up for the preamp to the mic. And then I also wear a set of Audio-Technica headphones. Mm-hmm. Um, almost all of this I bought from the B&H Photo Video Catalog, if some mm-hmm. of your listeners may know. That's the big superstore out of New York where they sell a whole bunch of broadcasting equipment. Mm -hmm. I got the preamp for Christmas um, from my family. Uh, One of my members of my family knows a a radio host, a former radio host who's now passed away, um, who recommended this little preamp that can just plug into your computer and Mm -hmm. do nice work for you. And it has served me well. Well, that is great. Well, I'm just really thrilled that we finally did this. We've talked about it actually for years. And I think that there are people, because I, I, my guess is while you've been out there interviewing a lot of people, you don't say much about yourself. Is that correct? That's true. I don't uh-huh. say much about myself. Yeah. Turn the mic on the guests. 200 shows. You've done it in a very consistent way. So it is really to your credit. And I take pride in consistency. I know you do. I know you do. You would never have as many gremlins as I had today. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, you, you have a lot to be proud of. Thank you, Debbie. 200 shows. So you're going to do something special tonight well, while that's on? T- well, t- well, tonight's show is going to actually be um, with the Washington State School for the Blind. Mm-hmm. They're going to be talking about the photography program. Right. By a former blind photojournalist. And um, I'm going to have him, one of his students, and also the recreation coordinator. I mean, no, not the recreation coordinator. One of the volunteer assistants who's worked with her on taking all those great pictures. Wow, that's really cool. But what are you doing to celebrate 200 shows? I'm going to have a big party at the Cheesecake Factory with my family and friends. That's sweet. Have a good big meal. And then also go on a trip sometime later this year or early next year 
um, good to like Vegas or somewhere for a week or so to oh, just uh, good get my mind off of things. Good. When is this party you're going to have? When is I that? I haven't gonna... decided on the date yet. Okay. Well, that's that, out. that is a favorite place. I could just sit there and read the menu. It's my, just so entertaining. My favorite place <laughs> is the Cheesecake Factory. Too. It is. I've it's been wonderful. All around their cheesecake. I've been to the ones in Pleasanton near me. Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. yes, the very first one, Walnut Creek, cool. and Seattle. Interesting. I actually like their entrees even more than their cheesecake uh, and their strawberry okay. shortcake. Okay. I, 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 like their, I like their Snickers cheesecake. Okay. All right. And I do like oh. their, Western, their Western cheeseburgers good, too. Oh, well, have fun. And I'm glad there are people that want to celebrate with you. That's really sweet. That's Mm -hmm. good. All right. Well, thanks for doing the slow, long way around show, different from your format. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's been fun. It was was slow enough for me. Well, I hope it was fun. It was fun. Yes. Thank you, Debbie. All right. Thank you. Okay. All right. now. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Here is the schedule for Speaking Out for the Blind on ACB Radio Mainstream. All times listed are in Eastern and Pacific. Monday, 4.30 a.m. and p.m. Wednesday, 10.30 p.m. Thursday, 10.30 a.m. Friday, 8 p.m. Saturday, 8 a.m. Speaking Out for the Blind on ACB Radio Mainstream, brought to us by the American Council of the Blind. I am honored today to have Dr. Kimberly Morrow. Is that how we address you? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Kim Kim will be just fine. Kim will be fine, but you know, you are a PhD person, and that's very impressive. Welcome. It's great to have you. Thank you. you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I know you are in your home office. Correct. And uh, well, we'll get we'll get to that. But let's go. Let's go back, if you don't mind. Let's go back because I want to know some of the kinds of things in your life that brought you to who you are today. Well, I'm totally blind from birth as a result of retinopathy of prematurity, and I'm going to presume that your ACB audience knows what that is, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I'm completely blind with no light perception, and um, I am a Braille reader since the age of five, and I uh, was educated in the public schools and uh, was generally an A and B student. You know, there might have been a C here and there, but... <laughs> Generally, uh, a and B student, I had a great social life, lots of friends growing up. Um, you know, there are some people that are blind that say they had a, a really uh, tough time with sighted students when they were growing up. That was not the case for me. I was in every kind of social club, every kind of, uh, you know, everything you can imagine, I was in it. <laughs> I, had lots, I had lots of friends and I had great times. So, um, Part of the time I was in, well, I was always in public school, uh, but from first to sixth grade, I was in a school with a resource room, and then um, from seventh grade on, 
Um, I just had an itinerant teacher who visited once a week. But mm -hmm. in both cases, with the resource room concept, it was back in the days uh, in the 70s and 80s when they bust. So um, I was bused across town uh, so that I could be in the classroom where there was a resource room available, but I was in class with my sighted peers during the day. And I really truly believe that sometimes that works out much better than the current neighborhood school model that they have. So I was in school um, that way, and then, and then uh, we moved to Iowa, and I was in school with my neighborhood uh, class and actually got to walk to school, which was a new concept for me, so from busing mm -hmm. to walking to school. And uh, so that, that, was, uh, that was a great experience. And uh, so then in, in my junior year, we moved back to Kansas City, and I graduated from a public high school of 586 students and uh, went on to college, got a Bachelor of Arts degree from a very small uh, liberal arts college, Methodist College, called Baker University, located in Baldwin, Kansas, about 45 minutes out of KC. And uh, then I got my master's degree in uh, Germanic languages and literatures with the intent of te teaching German. And uh, I mm. got my master's degree and then uh, decided that the job market wasn't really ideal for that. Um, I saw a lot of my friends flipping burgers that uh, had gotten their master's degrees in teaching German, and uh, I knew I wasn't going to be very good at flipping burgers. <laughs> so decided to go on to the PhD and uh, went on in education because that was the logical fit. I had been a graduate teaching assistant and thought that I would uh, like to do something with education and got a degree in that. And then while I was looking around uh, for job opportunities, I happened to be writing a grant for a local museum of art. And the person who was in charge of media relations quit. And so I ended up being in charge of the interview process for the grant that I was working on, the project I was working on. And so I got uh, quite a good number of interviews for that and decided, you know, I really like this. So maybe if the teaching thing doesn't uh, work out quickly, I may want to go into a job with benefits. So uh, I, I decided to take an internship in media relations while I was still pursuing job leads. And uh, along the way, I got offered a job while I was still interning. So even before I could get out of the program, I'd already been offered a job in media mm -hmm. relations. So uh, I did that for um, several years uh, at one location. And then I moved on up to a larger nonprofit where I did media relations for several years. And then a job came open uh, that allowed me to be the head of the, their, they at the time, this, this nonprofit had accessible libraries for the blind. And I got to head that project up. So I did that uh, and worked at that nonprofit for almost 15 years and then uh, decided at age 50 to uh, start my own business and it was going to be now or never to make that dream come true. So in 2018, I did that. And that's what you're doing now. That's what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I work as a Library of Congress certified Braille proofreader and also uh, as a foreign language translator. So I did come full circle and do something with my languages. Mm -hmm. Now, what languages do you speak? German and Spanish fluently. I read and write French, but I don't claim to speak it. Wow, that's impressive. And then to have grant writing experience. Yeah. You got a master's and a doctorate, right? 
Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I decided to go all the way. You know, mm -hmm. I, the education is something that no one can take away from you. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'm, I'm very glad that I did it. I, mm -hmm. I think that um, education changes you and hopefully it grows you. And hopefully education takes you out of the black and white sphere and re makes you realize that there's a lot of gray in the middle. Is that what it did for you? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, mm -hmm. in any given issue, I feel like that my education has taught me to see both sides of it and then to see right in the middle of the whole thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, elections drive me crazy. <laughs> Someone who gets on one side or the other drives me crazy because I see both sides of, mm -hmm. of any given issue. Mm -hmm. I don't see anything as one-sided. So, yeah, I think that's, that's what it did for me, along with, um, you know, over the years, uh, better pay grades and jobs that I had. You know, mm -hmm. education mm -hmm. paid off in that venue. Um, I didn't stay quite to the, the goal that I had thought that I would, but I think there, what was the statistic I was reading? And I, I couldn't exactly, here, here goes blowing my methodology here because I can't quote you the exact source, but I was reading that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, somewhere around 75% of us don't end up doing what we thought we were going to do when we got our degrees. So. Mm -hmm. You mean I, of human, of human beings or blind people? Human beings. Okay. People. So when you were working with media, I know you were doing some accessibility kinds of things with um, the last job, but mm -hmm. other, when you said media relations, what was that? I was working for a nonprofit that did a lot of work with speakers coming in, lecturers. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my job would be to work with their publicist, the publicist of the lecturer, um, and, uh, and, and to uh, provide them with, uh, you know, me local media contacts. And so I would set up the local media interviews because I had a relationship with the media in my area. And so I uh, would set up the local interviews and the people, the media people were comfortable with me. And so I would get it all arranged, and then I would call the publicist back and give them the details. So um, it was fun. I, I got mm -hmm. to interview Neil Donald Walsh once, if you, oh, you know cool. that name, yeah. Conversations mm -hmm. with God, mm -hmm. Dr. Judith Orloff, I got yep. to interview oh, her, um, Joan Borisenko, yep. got to interview mm -hmm. her, mm -hmm. yeah, just, and, and Echo great. Bodine, I got to mm -hmm. interview her, so... Um, a lot of a lot of really interesting people that I got to interview over the years, and I loved 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 media relations. The other thing I loved about it was really nobody had to know on uh, you know it was a lot of phone work, and no one had to know that I was blind. Sure. And so you know I was judged. It was the thrill of the sale. Could I convince radio station X that this this individual this topic was important enough? Uh, for their interview lineup and their airtime, because, mm -hmm. you know, airtime is precious, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a matter of convincing those people. And um, I had to make a really good pitch. I actually on my own media relations business for a few years, too. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what podcasting, a lot of podcasters are out there interviewing lots of people. I, I mean, I did it when I worked for Health Communications and U.S. Journal. I was often interviewing people, but still different people that have come on to podcasts. That's a lot of what's happening. And so that's, yeah. that's, well, that's, that's not beyond my scope of wanting to take on at some point. So, mm -hmm. you know, life is wide open right now and, and it feels good. 
That's good. So how are you getting your work now? A lot of it is via the internet. Um, you know, I, I really have had to go to very few people because once I started going to agencies and letting them know and translation companies and letting them know, word just gets out to private individuals and to, uh, you know, people uh, that are in my line of work, my two lines of work. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are now coming to me. You know, initially mm -hmm. I thought I would have to do a lot of recruiting, but I'm busy enough that I don't have to recruit a lot at this point to get my work. What else is on the horizon for you? Anything in particular? Or? Well, um, I think, you know, expanding my business mm -hmm. um, to, you know, acquiring more work, having more opportunities that I didn't have when my life was a little more structured. I'm active in my church. I go to a 20,000-member church, <laughs> mm -hmm. the largest United Methodist Church in the United States. It's called Church of the Resurrection. So um, I'm involved in several uh, Bible studies there. I go out to lunch with friends. Um, I'd like to do some writing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, writing a couple of uh, children's books, something along those lines is something that I've dreamed of doing for a long time. So yeah. I want to do that. Uh, I've gotten more involved in music. I play a little bit of piano and guitar and mm -hmm. ukulele and hammered in mountain dulcimer. And I'm involved in a couple mm -hmm. of music clubs, people that get together to, to jam, to play music. And mm -hmm. I'm involved in a dulcimer club and a ukulele club. Mm -hmm. So are you self-taught? Self um, you know, on the dulcimer, I attended a couple of dulcimer camps. And so um, I, I kind of picked it up from there and ukulele, I'm a combination of self-taught and, and, uh, attended some sessions. So, um, you pick up a lot in these clubs because you'll say, Hey, how do you play that chord and this chord? And people take you under their wing and, you know, kind of show you how to do it as you go along. So, mm -hmm. um, I picked a lot up from just being in the presence of other more advanced musicians. So uh, piano, I'm not self-taught. I had lessons. Braille music, mm -hmm. I was largely self-taught. And then I took a wonderful course from the Hadley Institute for the Blind before they ceased to offer their Braille music courses um, mm -hmm. last year. So mm -hmm. um, in preparation for whatever Hadley 2020 is going to be, they're mm -hmm. going to launch a brand new platform. If anyone wants to contact you, do you want to give any information of where or how to contact you? Sure. KC Braille Knitter. K-C-B-R-L-K-N-I-T-T-E-R at yahoo.com. I also have a Google Voice. Okay. And I can give that out. That's 913-935-9900. Seven three five four five seven four. People can uh, text or call me there. Thank you, Kim, and all the best to you and your continued success. Thank you again, Brian McCallan, and thanks all of you for listening. May we all continue to find the courage to live on the inside track. Thanks for being here. I'm Debbie Hazelton. Bye for now. <laughs>